Hello, my beautiful people. You are tuned into the Planter Podcast, where we focus on faith, growth, and lifestyle. This is a podcast that propels both men and women to live their God-given purpose one conversation at a time. I'm your host, Damia Shodi, and I am so grateful that you have tuned in to the Planter Podcast. What is going on, my beautiful people? Thank you so much for tuning into the Planter Podcast. I am the host, Damia Shodi, and it is a pleasure to be speaking with you yet another week. It is the beginning of a new week, y'all, and we are going to start off the week with an amazing episode. So I, or we, are going to be talking about how to make God the CEO of your business. And I'm not the one who or only one who's going to be speaking about this. I have my guest with me on this episode named Ola Duane Ola Dapo. So let me tell you a little bit about Duane. So Duane is the creator of Idunu Studios, a multicultural children's content company. Her goal is to change the landscape of children's content by creating culturally inclusive, thought-provoking, and pedagogical books that inspire kids while fully engaging with them. Ola Doyen's entrepreneurship journey began in her junior year at Westland University, where she co-founded Juma, an HR software company for West African employers. Since then, Doyen has worked as a content producer and social media strategist at Snapchat, Time, Lyft, and dozens of small businesses and CEOs. With the help of her team, she plans to release 50 more books over the next two years. They have released 22 to date. So you already know, I mean, this is going to be a fabulous episode. I really enjoyed sitting down with Duane and really getting to know about her and her business and her entrepreneurial journey. I think one thing you're going to learn from this episode is that good things take time and you have to be resourceful um, with the resources around you, even if you perceive them as not useful. There are things around you that you can use to help put your business together and that things just don't happen overnight. I know there's a phenomenon now, like, you know, people seem to be having mad money, like really fast, thousand Ks in like one day, all that stuff. It's not, nah, it's, that's not real business. This right here is real business and you are going to just get an awesome sense of encouragement and understanding about what it means to be a young entrepreneur. And by the way, y'all, Dwayne is only 25 and she's accomplished so much. So you're going to get a lot of entrepreneurial trips. But then you're also going to get how to keep God at the center of your business and how to include him in all things. And it's just going to be a fabulous episode. So I'm really happy to introduce it to you. And if you are liking the content on The Planter, please, please, please subscribe, y'all. Come on now. Subscribe. It takes like a few seconds. You can actually do it while you're listening to the episode. And then also leave a review. If you appreciate The the Planter um, and the podcast and you like the episodes and the guests, leave a review. I'm really interested in hearing what y'all got to say. See, I ain't going to yell at y'all this week. See, I'm, ask- I'm asking nicely. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm asking very politely. So... If you like the content, just leave a review. I'd really appreciate it. Again, you know I love you. I rock with you. I care for you. And here is the beginning of this episode now. Uh. 
we are back, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into the Planter Podcast. So I would love to introduce you all to my guest, Ola Duin Ola Dapo. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me, Demi. Thank you, Duin, for coming on the Planter Podcast. Um, I'm really excited to have you on and for you to speak about your journey. So kind of fill us in. Tell us who you are and what you do. Sure. Um, yes, my name is Ola Doing Oladakpo. I am Nigerian American, um, grew up in Brooklyn, and I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, currently, I'm the founder of Idunu Studios, which is a multicultural children's book company. Um, and in the past, I've had different entrepreneurial ventures. And I basically what we do at Idunu Studios is we create uh, children's books that highlight diverse uh, narratives, children from different backgrounds, and just try to bridge the gap between uh, different cultures, uh, different ethnicities, and share those stories, pushing diversity beyond just um, difference of skin color, but actually the difference in stories that people from all over the world and children from all over the world have and can share with each other. Awesome. I mean, I'm so excited. Um, to speak with you and to really dive into that. Um, one of my friends told me about you and Ronka said, oh, you need to speak to Doreen. I was like, all right. Like she kind of gave me an inkling of what you were doing. And I also think you were in Nigeria, right? In 2016. Or was it just her that was helped like with the books? I think she was delivering yeah. books. Yeah. So Ronka is one of our, is one of our writers. She's actually probably my most um, active co-author because we have a few people on the team who've written a, a bunch of different stories and so Ronke took a bunch of our books uh, to Nigeria in December 2016 to partner we've partnered with this organization called Strong Enough Girls and we just donated uh, a bunch of books to uh, girls in Abuja Nigeria teenage girls and uh, that's probably where you saw those those pictures <laughs> yes oh, I remember she's like yeah my friend writes these and I was like what you got a friend as an author so I'm excited. <laughs> so kind of walk us through your journey. Um, did you always want to be an author? Was that always something that you wanted to do or did you have different plans? No, I actually never really wanted to be an author. I mean, I think I figured I would write a book or something one day, but I never thought it would be, you know, like a children's book or anything like that. Um, I I actually started Edenu Studios as a toy company, at least that was the idea, and I was developing a prototype for, for children's toys, mostly dolls, uh, multicultural dolls and play sets, and somewhere in between that prototype process, um, I, I just started learning more about the industry and learning more about the space, and I was fortunate to meet different people who were experts in the field, and they really... Uh, advised me and guided me towards writing stories more so because of what my actual mission statement was writing a story and writing books and sharing those um, narratives was the most efficient way to create that exposure that I wanted to give to children around the world and so you know toys are still a possibility down the line but um, stories were really at the core of of my mission so um, they were I, I figured that they were a better tool to use to accomplish that at that point. So I just ended up writing the story. Initially, I was just writing the story to to be a supplement to like the doll or the toy, um, but it just became this huge <laughs> thing somewhere along the line and ended up becoming the main product. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? 
Um, I I don't know when when you were talking. I'm like you're very ambitious. How old are you, by the way? I'm 25. See, look <laughs> at that. You did, like it seems like you just you're like I want to I want to build this and you just go for it. Ah, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. So, how did you start the process? So, give us that glimpse of like. Okay, so you were doing, you were trying to create um, the dolls, but then you decided to create the book. So tell us that process of like the from idea to actually publishing it. Sure. Well, like I mentioned, um, Idunu wasn't my first entrepreneurial uh, venture. At that time, I was actually co-founder of another uh, a tech company, a tech startup, and I had just had different experiences working with entrepreneurs or reading about them or learning about them, learning about, you know, how to create an MVP, a minimal viable product, which is basically like a prototype with anything that you can find in your house or with spare resources and learning about how to test an idea and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so when I first had the idea for the toy, I just started sketching it. I didn't, I didn't know how to, um, really design like I remember I went to a I went to a STEM high school so I took this one one or two AutoCAD courses AutoCAD is a software that you can use to the industrial designers use to to create things but I I I just started drawing and then the things that I couldn't draw I would find somebody who could draw and I would explain it to them like okay I want it to look like this and then I want it to go this way and just so that it can really come to life um and come out of my head and step by step you just things just kind of fall into place because, you know, you will ask somebody who knows how to do one thing and they will point you into the next person, to the next person, to the next person. And this is over the course of many years. I, I It's been almost five years now. We only just launched in 2016, but I have been writing and concepting since 2012, 2013, um, when I was an undergrad. So I would always just write things down and draw them and um, try to go to different workshops or networking sessions and things like that. Um, I was an undergrad at the time, so I took full, full, full advantage of the resources that I had in the entrepreneurship center in my school um, and um, just different smart people that I knew on campus. Um, I would literally go to the comp sci department and, and ask the, the best comp sci students to show me a bit of code so that I can design the website. I would go to desi the design clubs and like ask for someone who knew how to use the software where you can make a prototype, just being very, very, very scrappy. Um, and it really does all come together um, over time. So I'm writing down two things that I definitely got from what you said and um, resourcefulness and good things take time because mm -hmm. for one, I would think that, Oh, you know, maybe you, like I said, I was like, Oh, you're so ambitious. Like I'm thinking, Oh, maybe you did this in like two years or a year or something. I don't know. But <laughs> to see that this has been a process for five years or five to even six years, mind you, like yeah. to me, that just shows that, yeah, that good things do take time and your resourcefulness, Cause Lord knows, like I was, I just graduated from undergrad and I did not use no entrepreneurship center or anything in my school at all, you know? So I, I love the idea that you are, you, you take what you have. And if you don't know, you go out there 
and you try to figure it out and you ask for help. Absolutely. I'm not ashamed to ask for help. I, I, I think I actually ask for help to an annoying extent because I'm the person that will keep email. Oh, that was another thing. Cold emails. Like Mm. I will, Mm -hmm. I will email you. I have a, I have a, a rule that, okay, after like three to five emails, if they haven't responded, then okay, you can let it go. But I don't let one unanswered email deter me. I don't let two unanswered emails deter me. <laughs> after three, I start to get the hint. But most <laughs> of the time, just if I can, if I see someone can help me, it never hurts to ask. Right. And I, I do. Mm, that's a valuable, valuable lesson. It's true. Them cold emails. People keep asking me, oh, how do you get guests on the podcast? Cold emails. <laughs> Girl. I just, I just, I slid in your DMs. <laughs> basically, <laughs> that's so, basically what it is. <laughs> that's what you have to do. All right. Mm-hmm. So, when you acquired all of the information that you needed and you were building it, how did that process look? How did you get the illustrations? How did you even get the stories themselves? Yeah. So for the stories, most of the stories I wrote myself. And like I mentioned, I have a few co-authors on the team, Um, but the co-authors didn't, many of the co-authors didn't come until after we did the first launch. Um, Because with Edenu Studios, we have different collections. You know, all our books are multicultural in focus, um, but they, they are different, totally different series. So Girl to the World was the first series that we launched in 2016. And that was eight books um, about four different girls from different parts of the world. And that one was multicultural through the lens of girl power um, and and just empowering all children to see through the lives of extraordinary girls. Then we have another collection that we launched this year, which is AZ and Things in Between, which is a 26 storybook collection um, starring each letter of the alphabet. And that book is um, their picture books geared towards toddlers and new readers where we use the alphabet to teach them and show them different cultures around the world. Um, so we, so that's basically how, how it works. So at that point um, we were just working on girl to the world. Um, and I had about, I, th- I had two other co-authors. Um, so I wrote the books um, with the help of two people, Ibironke, uh, Otsushile and Lin Ma, and um, I cannot draw for <laughs> anything. I have a lot of talents to the glory of God, but I cannot draw for nothing. At least you know. So, um, <laughs> at least I exactly. So um, that was one resource that I definitely had to outsource. And I, again, just got scrappy with it. I did a lot of Google searches. I, I really found my, I found my illustrators on freelance websites. So let me give, let me give um, fiber.com a free shout out right now. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what is it's it called? Fiverr.com. Fiverr. Fiverr. Oh, Fiverr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fiverr.com, Elance, which is now Upwork. Um, Behance, like these freelance websites have amazing, amazing, amazing talent from all over the world um, on the website. And it's super, you you can find any, everything from the super expensive to the super affordable. Um, and I was able to find the, my talent on there. Um, and, and I brought them on board contractually to work with, um, the team on a project by project basis. Um, so we outsourced all our illustrations. We outsourced half of our editing. Um, I almost outsourced the design work, but then I was running straight out of money. So I had to actually learn how to do the design work myself, um, through, you know, the, like, uh, Adobe software 
InDesign, Photoshop, Illustrator, that kind of stuff. So you mean the, the layout il- of the book itself? Exactly. Because okay. the illustrators just draw. They just draw and they give you the photos. And then you have to lay it out yourself and also design the covers and, you know, design the website, that, that kind of stuff. So um, the, getting the photo images are not enough. You have to sort of put everything together, especially since our books are very descriptive. They have maps, you know, that point, they have arrows that describe every little thing like okay this is where the main character this and this is where the main character did that so we had to I had to basically do all of that um, work so it it was a process that started with writing then editing then illustrating then design then launch and 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 that's what took I think that itself takes a while but one thing that I noticed from the first launch to the second launch is that um the first time that I was launching these books, I had a bit of uh, perfectionism syndrome where I, I, you know, wanted to, I wanted everything to be like, bam, when I launched. And so, you know, we launched with eight books, but I actually wanted to launch with 12. And um, truth be told, I could have launched when we had one. I could have launched when we had two, you know, they, what they say, don't let um, great be the enemy of good. I, Mm. I think what, caused it took me like four years to launch i could have probably done it in two but i just you know it was like no four countries is not enough we need to be intent we need to launch with 10 countries and you know we're, we're still gonna get there we're gonna launch more girls to the world books next year but imagine if i was still waiting to get to 10 that means to this day i would have not have launched because i'm still we're still working on another four to five um girls right now that they're not going to be done until next year. So um, that that combined with the budget is probably what took so long, but it is still a tedious pro- process regardless. I like that phrase you just said that don't let great be the enemy of good, right? Yes. Is that okay? Yeah. That, you know, and I get it because you want to do things well. And you, yeah. you, you know what I'm saying? You want to do things with quality and you're Nigerian. Like you want to excel in everything. I get it. But it's true. You like, even, you know, I hear in so many different interviews with different entrepreneurs that like one thing they'll say is even if you, it doesn't matter if you, you don't have the prettiest thing. It's just, is your content good? Is, yeah. is what you're doing? Is it to the best of your ability? Just put it out there and then you can fix it throughout, throughout your time. Like, you know, throughout the process, but Hey, at least, you know, now. So for next time, it's not like, Oh, you, you'll fall into that trap again. So kudos to you. And that's that's why second time around my, um, my editor, my editor in chief, she knows, I just like, it's like when we were launching the AZ series, which is the second one I told you about, it's, it's almost like we breezed through it because we did not allow, allow any sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Any, any resource that we did not have at the time, we didn't wait for it. We just made do with what we had. Wow, yeah. So it's 26-book story. Um, it's a 26-story book collection. So I wanted to you know, have a certain kind of illustration, a certain kind of map for those stories. We just didn't have it. So we launched the book with the maps that we used in the first collection. And we just didn't let anything delay us. And it was so clear with the speed that we, we did the sec- this one in like a year. Versus the four years that it took the first one. <laughs> wow. How did yeah. you make the time to learn those skills? Because I could see somebody listening and being like, well, how, like, you know, I don't have the time to learn in design and Photoshop and all these things. How did you create that time? Um, let's see. I think that 
you make time for what you want to make time for. And I say that, um, I say that with, uh, due respect. I'm not trying to throw shade, <laughs> but I think that a lot of times when I hear people say they, they just, they don't have the time, um, to do certain things, to learn certain things. Um, this kind of work takes sacrifice. And so for me, for example, there were times when I've, sometimes I've been throughout this process, there've been times where I've been self-employed, meaning I've been doing this full time. And there's been other times when I have not been self-employed and I, about a year and a half of that four years was spent working at a company, a very big and demanding tech company. Um, and there were just days where I didn't get sleep or there were time, there were weekends where I didn't have a social life. Um, but either way, there is a lot of time in the day. And I do this thing, uh, three to four times a year where I take a personal retreat for about three days. And just so I could just be alone with God to pray, to fast, to talk about the next quarter and what he wants me to accomplish. But the reason I bring that up is because I, I, I never realize just how much time there is in one day until I sit for a day straight without any distractions and without anything else to, to take up my time. It's that it's at that point when I feel like, wow, 24 hours is actually a lot, a lot, a lot of time. So then I'll go back to my regular life and see where are the spaces that, um, uh, that are taking up a lot of my time that I can use more productively. So for example, I used to have a very long commute. I would spend an hour and a half trying to get to the uh, midtown from the, from Mill Basin, Brooklyn. And, um, that's three hours both ways. So then what I used to do is I used to type the books from my phone. Um, I didn't want to carry a laptop on the train, but I'm like, I'm not letting this three hours go to waste. So I would literally type from my phone, um, stories and be writing on the train. And, you know, I, I'm in order to get to work, I would wake up at like maybe like seven and I won't get home until eight, that kind of thing. So you can look at my schedule and you can say, you know, there's no time in my day, but I took those three hours in my commute and I'm, and I just made time. You really just have to make the time. And because there's really no other alternative. So when you realize that, like, you feel like, oh, you don't have any other time, but it's kind of like, oh, well, then what are you going to do? <laughs> like, you can't, you can't make time out of thin air. You have to go into your schedule and look at the places that are distracting you. Um, social media is another one. Like you, you don't realize how much time we spend on it. Cause we're just scrolling for maybe five minutes at a time, put your phone down, do something else, come scroll for another five minutes. If you turn off social media for a week, you will find that you just have so much downtime. Like what am I doing with myself right now? Um, so I would just encourage anyone who feels that way to really like pick the holes in their schedule. And I think you will discover that you do have time. And if you don't, if you truly, truly don't have time, then make a list of everything you're doing in your life and say, okay, this thing that I want to create is, is very important to me. And it's more important than X, Y, and Z thing that I've identified in my schedule. So for the next week and for the, or for the, for the next month, I'm going to take a break off of this club. I'm going to take a break off of this, this series of social gatherings. I'm going to take a break off of the social media app and I'm going to prioritize this thing that I want to create and, and really see if the time that I've made will make a difference overall. Mm, solid advice. Awesome. <coughs> awesome. Awesome advice. And you know, eh, no, I ain't got to say nothing. You said it all. <laughs> <laughs> you said it all. Um, how did you acquire the information to write your books so they are culturally inclusive and then also engaging. Cause I know that's something that you wanted 
to show forth in your books. So how did you do that? So um, we do a lot of research, uh, but most of the places that we write about, well, at least for the Girls of the World series, which are the ones that are very, you know, descriptive and, and a bit longer, the chapter books. Uh, most of those places we, we've, we've traveled to or spent an, a, a decent amount of time there. Um, and if not, we have conducted interviews with people who are who have or who are from there, um, from that culture, and also had them edit it, um, look it over, give uh, invice, uh, invice, <laughs> input or advice. Um, Because every little thing from just the way someone might say what's up um, in another language or in a specific culture um, was very, very important to me. I didn't want to be using because they're kids, right? They're teenagers, the characters. I didn't want to be using American, you know, slang or Western slang if it's not necessarily used in that culture. So we made sure that um, it was it was from our experiences, either living there, working there, visiting there for extended period of time or um, through the uh, experiences of people who have uh, done those things. And I know that you also like interviewed in or spoke to kids for like six months, right? You, yeah. Explain that process too. Like, what was that? What, what was the purpose behind that? Well, for me, honestly, that was, that was really God because when I actually um, signed up for that, I didn't, I didn't know that that was what was going to happen. Um, I basically, it, it started as a summer job my freshman year of undergrad. And um, I did it two summers. And then uh, after I graduated, I was working um, on this other startup that I told you about. But I had a lot of um, downtime and the school was in was in my neighborhood. So I just I just went in because I had a had built a relationship with them from like three years um, before. And I just went in to like pay a visit and say, okay, maybe I'll spend like a few a few um, hours here um, every week. But within the first week, God told me that this is what this is why he brought me here. So then I basically like signed on to make it official that I was going to come here every day um, it, for it was about six months. And what I was doing at that time was I was really just trying to learn. Like I didn't, I didn't, the books were not finished. Um, they were, they were barely halfway done at that point. And I didn't come to them with a official proposal or anything. I actually didn't even mention that I was an entrepreneur and that I was writing books um, maybe until more than halfway through um, when I wanted to get like some real concrete um, insight. I just spent the first few months just learning about how children learn. Um, because I, I didn't study to be a teacher. I didn't, you know, I did, I did sociology as a, one of my majors with an, um, educational concentration, but it was more education from, um, sort of like a policy level. Um, so I just wanted to learn how kids consume content. So I would literally just work with them. I'd help them with their homework. Um, and I would, and I would observe and I would, I would observe the things that they liked, the things that they didn't like. Um, and I would ask them questions and, and that's where I really learned why it's so important that the books had to be engaging first and foremost above everything else. Because I because I learned that a lot of multicultural books have this very noble mission of creating diverse content that, um, you know, shows kids the different cultures and the different, you know, just the value in, in diversity. Um, but when that is the goal above everything else, 
you kind of lose the importance of a true story, which is a narrative at the core. So, you know, sometimes I don't even like calling the books multicultural because I think that in order for it to be compared to sort of any mainstream book, for lack of a better term, um, people have to understand that there's no difference. A story is a story. An adventure is an adventure. It just so happens that in this story, the main character is from India or the main character is from Ghana. And that's what I wanted to read. That's what I wanted them to read as when a, when a child is reading it. Because in those six months, I discovered that that's the way you grab their attention. When the child is picking up the book, they really shouldn't they really shouldn't notice the difference that much. I mean, you'll notice the difference in that the characters look different. They're in another part of the world. But in terms of how much they love the book or in terms of how how much they um, th- they can follow along with the adventures and, and, and the different uh, twists and turns of a plot, it should be just like any other book. And that's what I learned when I was when I was um, there for six months, because a lot of the other multicultural books that I had been looking at around that time, just in my research, were kind of they kind of focus on the culture rather than focusing on the story. Um, and I didn't get to to really see it in action until I worked with those kids. Hmm. OK, um, what are some lessons that you want your reader to learn from your books? Um, so actually, we write each story with a different with a specific um, different lesson. Um, we have something called Idunu ideas, which are sort of the tenets in which um, from which every story should draw something from. And so these I- these ideas or tenets uh, vary from um, historical backgrounds to um, uh, you know g- values for girlhood. Um, to careers and disciplines where minorities are underrepresented. Uh, we, we sort of highlight all of those things and we show just how cool or awesome they can be. So an example is Aquia. Aquia's masterpiece is currently our best-selling book. And Aquia is this girl from, from Ghana who, in one of our stories one summer, she's kind of bored and she looks for something to do. And her and her cousin, so, uh, this lady gives her some kente. And she ends up making bracelets out of it. And her her cousin end up selling them in one of the busiest markets in Ghana for the summer. And she kind of turns into this entrepreneur. Um, but we never mention the word, word entrepreneurship. We just write a story about a girl who needs, who finds something fun to do out of an arts and crafts project with her cousin for the summer. And so all our stories are written that way, um, teaching something um, in another example, it might be, you know, uh, encouraging girls to go into politics like we did with Shivani, our Indian girl, um, but without ever really necessarily mentioning like, oh, politics is fun. Leadership is good. You should do it. It's kind of just showing a girl who does it and um, showing what she learns when she's doing it and sort of um, inadvertently encouraging girls to to follow that path or to follow a similar path that they might have been nervous about or unsure about, but seeing how the main character did it um, would then encourage them to do the same for themselves. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I remember looking and, and kind of reading about your books and there was always something, like you were saying, there's, there's a, a lesson to be learned, but it's not blatant. It kind right. of gives the reader the ability to kind of put their own pieces together exactly, and just go forth without 
having a label put on it. Like, this is what you should do. It's like, hmm, I could do it this way. I could do it that way. You know, it keeps their imagination going with their own possibilities, which I love. That's good. And one question that is, I need to know. (laughs) How did you fund all of this? Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here like, and I'm sure people are like, "This is all good," but how did you pay for all this, girl? Okay, so <laughs> I, <laughs> I actually self-funded everything. Woo! Um, this date, um, okay. I I had a, <laughs> so I I had another startup that I keep talking about at that time. Um, and we had worked with, um, investors. And so I, I kind of learned a bit about fundraising and pitching. We did, we did crowdfunding for that one. And I knew the lay of the land. Um, mm-hmm. and I just didn't want to go down that route for Edenu Studios, at least not yet, because one, I think the, um, startup costs are a lot less than if you're trying to start a tech company. Um, and two, I just wanted full ownership and full agency over everything I was doing at that point um, before other, you know, hands get involved essentially, because that's something that you as an entrepreneur have to know. Like once people give you money, they're also going to give you opinions. Right. Sometimes those opinions are good. They're expert opinions, but I just, I just didn't want it at that point yet. Um, so I self-funded it. Now it's, it, it's a pretty exp- it was a pretty expensive process but it was it was self-funded over 4 to 5 years right so i had different streams of income like i mentioned sometimes i was working so sometimes i had to manage doing this with a full-time job because i i actually took jobs because I wanted to self-fund the venture. I could have decided, you know, I'm going to go get um, a seed fund from an investor so I can focus on this full time, which is a which is a, a route that many entrepreneurs take and it has its benefits. But I was like, nah, I'd rather work um, 40 hours a week and still have another, you know, 20, 30 hours um, to work on this. So I did that. Um, but it was over, it was over like four years or so. Um, so I think on average I was so far the the startup cost I would I would total everything to probably be like 20 to 25,000, right? So over mm-hmm. over 4 to 5 years that's like, you know, 5,000 a year. It's not that bad. Um but again, that's very specific to this product. Right. Um very specific to to what I'm I'm doing. Um with with children's books, for example, especially with a lot of the different technology and resources that's out there today. Right now, when our books are sold on Amazon, um, it's print on demand. So I don't necessarily, I'm just now starting to um, hold inventory in the hundreds to provide for people who want to buy the books wholesale. But when we first launched, like the first two years, I didn't, I never held a single copy of inventory. Anyone who wants to buy the book, they go to Amazon, they order the book on Amazon, Amazon prints on demand. And so there's, there were so many different um, tools in place to make sure that I could do this thing affordably and reasonably. So the only thing I had to worry about paying for was, was all the talent that I outsourced, namely illustrators, editors, um, yeah, illustrators and editors and a few, and a little bit of help with this, with the website stuff. Um, and I, and I did that as I went along. So, you know, for three months I was saving up for one book next three months, the second book, next three months, the third book, 
and just sort of paying as I went along. Um, so I never did I write a check for 20000 because I just don't got it like that yet. Um, but every month or so, I would put aside 1000 or so um, to go towards the next book and the next book and the next book. Um, and it's just now starting to make its returns, um, which is very common in startup world. You, most, co- most startups don't like break even until like year three, year five. So I was in it for the long haul. <laughs> I see. And I... I'm just, I'm sitting here and I love, love, love your story because it's really teaching us that I'm telling you, good things take time Yeah, and it takes effort and it takes sacrifice. And that's one thing that I was telling my friend this week. I said, nothing in this life just comes. And, you know, I think we, we believe that it does. I don't know about you, but I think my perception, yeah, like we just... The way life is set up until after you leave college is you kind of just believe that low-key things are going to just drop in your lap sometimes. Yeah. And even as Christian people, too, sometimes, oh, God will just give it to me. But it's not the case. It's not always the case. Like, you know, you have done this over time. Imagine three years ago you said, "Ah, nothing is happening. I'm not getting, you know, an investment in my return yet. I'm I'm not getting that money. And it feels like money's just escaping my pocket left and right. That's really what it felt like, like <laughs> hemorrhaging money. <laughs> <laughs> you see? So I don't know. I just get so encouraged by what you've gone through. And now it's a story. Now it's like, this is what I went through, you know? Mm-hmm. And people hearing that, it brings them encouragement. And, you know, entrepreneurship is not for the weak at heart. It is not like <laughs> five years. And now you're like, okay, I, I, I feel I'm getting to a more comfortable place, but you, you really did a good job. Thank you. you. did Thank such you. a phenomenal job. Uh, I knew I was excited to speak to you, girl. I was not lying. I was like, I need to, <laughs> I need to know. Cause you're the first author that I've spoken to or that you're I know. I've spoken to. So really? I'm equally excited. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I really, I really love your story. And how have you experienced the power of the Holy Spirit as you run your companies? Because you got companies. How do you <laughs> <laughs> like? How have you seen God like work in your companies? Oh my goodness, we don't have enough time, girl. <laughs> honestly, 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 God has the Holy Spirit specifically has been with me every step of the way. When I tell you that every every idea that I that I get is divinely inspired. Like I never like I said I never plan on writing for children. I I didn't I never thought it was something I was going to do, but when the idea came to me as just it was a I think I was in sociology class. Um it was it was quote unquote random, but it's only for me, I'll speak for myself. It's only something that is so random like that, that I believe will, that it's when something is so random like that, that I believe it came from God because I've never had that thought before that day. All of a sudden, as I got that idea, I 
became very, very excited. I became empowered. I became encouraged, like full throttle to just go with it and to just do it, even though it was something that I had never considered from that day. It's never exactly been a passion of mine. Um, and then throughout that process, every little thing from like what country we should go to, what what we should name the characters, you know, what what illustrator we should we should go with. Um, I leave that to God because all of those little, little decisions matter so much. Because little things like, you know, how we name the characters can d- determines who picks up the book. There's some people that pick it up and say, oh my goodness, that's my name. Or, oh my goodness, that's my sister's name. And that person who picked up that book because they were inspired that it was named after their sister is very influential in this industry and then takes the book and shows it to this person and that. So like all of those things, God has already worked out. And so I just depend on the Holy Spirit to tell me like what you want me to do every single step of the way, you know, and a lot of times I mentioned, I I do fasting retreats and stuff like that. Right now I'm currently fasting. And for the month of June, um, about like 21 days, just different ways, different fasting, Daniel, dry, that kind of stuff. And in every day, God has given me a divine idea, 21 days of divine ideas for stuff to do for the company. Um, And so I think that I'm very grateful for the Holy Spirit because I think that he's the one that has inspired everything that we have done. A lot of times when I don't even know if I have a decision and I'm very, you can kind of know because I will ask her almost all the time, about A or B. I'm very much like, oh, should it be blue or turquoise? <laughs> like, <laughs> and mm-hmm. a lot of times maybe people feel like, oh, you can't bother God with little stuff like that. And I absolutely disagree. I think you can. And I do all the time. Like, God, should I name this character? I went back and forth about two weeks if I should name Equia, Equia or Efua. And <laughs> until literally I just had to ask the Holy Spirit to give me peace about one of the names. And then we mm. went with Equia. I think that it's, it's, that's like my number one tool right there. Um, the Holy Spirit. Right. I don't question. Cause when I start talking about the Holy Spirit, I get excited. I don't know why I answered that. <laughs> no, you definitely did answer that. And one thing that came to mind when you were talking was it's actually relates to a video that I was listening to or a sermon yesterday. Um, it's called bring your vessels or something by transformation church just discovered it and i don't know i think he explained faith to me in a way that i i just understand it like it he he talks about the story of how like the woman who her husband died and the creditors were about to take her sons um Mm -hmm. because she couldn't pay the debt so she went Mm -hmm. to elijah what should i do he asked her what do you have in your house i have nothing except oil and you know bring the vessels and all those things right so how Mm -hmm. the guy was saying it was like you 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 know you have to bring god your vessels in order mm. for him to pour into it and mm. you he will only do what you give the faith to do like how, how mm-hmm. do i describe it like he will get only, you. yeah like as much as you prepare is what he will do as many vessels mm-hmm. as you give him is what he can do and i think mm-hmm. in your case you 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 don't waste time like you got the idea and then you were like all right god what do i got to do Okay, yeah. I got to learn this. I got to learn that. And and just you, know, you learning those things, like learning how to, um, you know, create the the layouts and being resourceful. Those are all vessels. And because you use those vessels, God can now fill them up so that the oil never stops. 
Amen. You're getting an, a return on your investment now because you put yeah. out those those vessels. Like, okay, you know what? I don't know how to do this. Let me learn how to do it. That's a vessel right there. Yeah. Um, I I don't know how to illustrate. I need somebody's help. That's a vessel right there. And then from mm-hmm. there, it just keeps going. So basically, you you prepared enough or you're pre- you've what you've prepared is what God is going to do for you. Ah, mm. it's good. Mm-hmm. It's good. I, I completely agree. I completely agree. And I think for me, lest I sound so courageous, the reason why I do, I do not hesitate or the reason why I just jump into it is because if, if I wait too long, I don't know if other people know, if I wait too long, the fear will start to set in. Yeah. The reasons why I shouldn't do it will start to set in. And and those reasons are often very logical reasons. They're not right. like when, the devil too. He has like Paul says, don't be ignorant of the devil's devices. Like the way he comes to you is very, very logical because a lot of the times the things God wants us to do, they don't make physical, they don't make sense in the natural. Right, right. And so when I hear something, I jump on it. And sometimes what I do is if I can't jump on it right away, I tell somebody else, that yo, God just told me to do this so that that person now holds me accountable right, for it. If right. I do it right away in a year's time when I have more, more room on my plate, I could, I can then do it. And the person will remind me like, Oh, how far with this thing? And I think that that's, that's been my, um, my, my mechanism or my safeguard so that I don't, um, put things that God has told me to do under the buried under the bed, because there have been times that I've done that with other, other ideas, not with the new studios um, in particular, but just other things in my life that he told me to do. And I, and I didn't do it right away. And then a bunch of reasons come up why, why I shouldn't. And I think mm-hmm. the vessel story is so important. Like I said, I know exactly what you're talking about because I was just meditating on, on that story in particular. Um, and I think the, the best thing that happened to me is when I realized that I myself am a vessel. Like my right. whole life mm. is a vessel. So beyond oh, giving giving one part of myself, like giving my, my business away, giving my school away, giving everything, my whole life, I, I gave it away to God. I'm like, yo, God, do whatever you want to do at this point. Because I got tired of trying to do, do it myself. I realized I couldn't. <laughs> and so I right. literally had to give my entire self away and be like, God, whatever it is you want to do, just do it. And it just becomes so much easier it becomes much easier because if it doesn't, I have no issue with failing today. If you do fails today, in fact, it will be easier for me because I won't have to, <laughs> I won't have to sleep this night anymore. But I know it's not going to fail because that's just not the way God is set up. Right. You know what I mean? So once I gave it away, now that it's, now God is in the steering wheel, it's 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 going to be successful in whatever way um, God wants it to look, what God wants success to look. But um, myself, my life is a vessel. And once I gave it to him, that's when you can actually overflow and pour into the lives of others, which in my case comes in the form of impacting um, people. Right. You see? You see? (laughs) (laughs) It's phenomenal. And how do you make the efforts to include God in your business? Because I think that's a new wave now. Like God is a CEO of your business. People may not know the how, you know, and everything obviously how people, you know, talk with God and operate with God, it, it, it's their own individualized, you know, thing. But how do you make those efforts to make sure that God is at the top of what you're doing in your business? Yeah, um, I love that. God is CEO of my business. I, um, this is my first time hearing that, but I'm about to start using that. Up <laughs> yeah. 
I think <laughs> yep. look at it, think about uh, what a regular company looks like. Who has the final say? Who has the final decision? Usually the CEO, maybe the board of the chair or whatever. But this the CEO most of the time has the final say. And just like that song says, Jehovah has the final say. <laughs> That's what I do for my business. That God has the final say. So there are times when I God tells me to do something um, with regards to my business. I don't want to do, but if if I know that I'm talking to my boss now, like a physical boss, um, and he tells me to do something, I won't say I don't want to. Like it's, I won't say I don't want to do it because it, it, the person is paying my salary is. Paying, giving me my check every month. And so that's the way I really try to treat um, the instructions that God gives me. You know, he'll tell me to talk to specific people that I don't really want to talk to. You know, I there, was, there were times when I, there was a point where I got um, networking f- fatigue because I used to network like crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get myself out there, trying to get my books out there. And I got fatigued and I just stopped doing it because a lot of times, 95% out of 100 times when you network, most of those, most of the contacts don't end up being fruitful, right? But then there's a 5% that, that that is. And so I remember one time I went to an event and God told me to speak to one person in particular. And I didn't want to speak to the person because I had, I felt like I'd already, I'm like, oh, I know what they're going to do. I know what they're going to say. I know how, how it's going to go. But because God is my boss, <laughs> you know, and you listened, you know, you would listen to your boss if your boss was telling you something in the physical that's the way I had to had to operate, and that relationship actually ended up being very fruitful. So um, I I see it that way that like the person who is paying my 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 salary in this case my salary is my life essentially he's the one giving me breath every morning um, he's the one that has a final say and I have to just listen no matter what um, and it and he doesn't and he never steers me wrong so that's just all the more uh, motivation to to follow him. Another thing is that he's also the way I see is that he's also the example, the, the guide that I want to follow. Um, uh, the most important thing about leadership is being somebody is being somebody that your the people on your team wants to follow. Um, they emulate, they want to, they're inspired and they're, and you guide them. And I think there's so many examples in the, in the Bible um, where we see people who are leaders. And I, I do that a lot. I do sort of case studies in the Bible. And I, I look at Nehemiah, I look at King Uzziah, I look at Gideon and Deborah and try to s- draw um, lessons of leadership from them. But recently God has been showing me examples of how he is a leader um, and how he, both when Jesus was on earth, but also just God throughout the Old Testament, leadership principles that I can draw from his, from his rule. And I think that's another way in which God is the CEO of my business, because I'll look at things that God did in the Bible. I'll look at ways in which he delegated. I'll look at ways in which he was, in which he, he used resources to bless people. I'll look at all of those things and I'll try to emulate them to the best of my ability in my business and my career. Cause I think that's what a C is a very important for a CEO. Cause even me as the earthly CEO of my company, that's the kind of example I want to be to people on my team or to other people who might look up to me for one reason or another um, and say, because Doyne is the CEO of this company, she's doing, I'm looking up to her, I'm, she's doing X, Y, and Z things. Those are the kind of things that I'm going to do as well. And so I see God as the person that um, I'm drawing those uh, leadership principles from. And those are great points. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. And I like how you've applied the word to your life. 
because it's so easy to just read the Bible. Oh, I just read the Bible and whatever. But you really are making it alive for you in this season and extracting things that, you know, God is trying to teach you. Because it's, like I said, it's just so easy to read it. They say read the Bible, especially if you don't have a relationship with God. It's it's like, okay, I read my Bible, but did you really gain yeah. anything from it? There's so many lessons. Who would have thought that um, that could be a lesson that you could have learned mm. from reading the word? Or, mm. you know, looking at all these different characters in the Bible and, and extracting. Because you just see something there. It's just, okay, this is their story. Bam, move on. But I yeah. like that you took, you're taking your time to to really let God speak into you. Yeah. And that's a lesson yeah. that I hope that um, those who are listening will try to make whatever Amen. you're reading in your word apparent to your life right now. Because it's a living word. Amen. So that's great. Exactly. So can you connect the dots from all your experiences that you may feel equipped you for this mission now? Can you see like, okay, like this experience in college and or this when I was a child, you know, however far you want to go back. Yeah. Oh, there's so many because I think our whole life is just a series of connected dots. Um, There's some things we might not even know how they're connected yet. Maybe the Holy Spirit can give you inspiration to to see it. But a few things like growing up, my parents were very, very big on education, um, as most Nigerian parents are, Mm -hmm. to the glory of God. My dad was very specific. Um, every summer he would, uh, we would have this thing called the schedule where it's kind of like school was still in session for us because from like nine to five, we would be, um, at home and we'd have these 45 minute blocks of different activities, um, and assignments that we had to do. So we would still be learning during the summer. It's kind of like his own created, created his own homeschool curriculum. Um, but everything from Bible teachings to Yoruba movies, to science projects, to reading autobiographies, he created a curriculum that we had to do every summer until I think all the way until like when we got to high school, we were like, okay, can we stop doing this now? But for almost Mm -hmm. 10, I would say at least 10 years of growing up, we had that in summer breaks, even spring breaks, the president's week break. Um, and, that is one of the earliest dots I can connect because even though I was in school and learning mostly, you know, sort of like westernized content at home, I was learning things about people from all over the world, especially Africa, especially Nigeria, which is so important growing up because you now have that in, that confidence instilled in you and that awareness of who you are and where you come from. And that empowers you to do so much more than just, you know, it's not about, it's not because I learned about Nigerian culture or African culture growing up that I'm now writing about multicultural content. That's not necessarily it. It's it's about the power that knowing where you are, who you are and where you come from instills in you to do whatever you want to do. So I could very, very much as well become an astronaut with that, with, with the, um, confidence that was equipped in me from what I was learning at home, because it just shows you that you matter. You're, you have a, you have a history, um, you have a, a, a culture and it's important. Um, so everything from learning about women to black people to everything. Um, and again, the Bible was right square in the middle of that, <laughs> of that curriculum, um, as well as the family prayers we did every single day. Uh, it, it was, yes, it was a, <laughs> a very, um, structured upbringing, but I'm very grateful for it nonetheless. Fast forward through through 
um, undergrad, just the different clubs I was involved in. I was always very mixy. I was always doing a lot, doing too much. (laughs) (laughs) So many clubs, but that exposure that I got to all different types of people from all over the world, um, really, really opened my eyes to the beauty of, of diversity. Um, Fast forward to the year and a half I spent working at Snapchat as a um, content uh, curator, producer, um, where we would we would basically sh- create live stories where we would show people different cultures and things from around the world. So, you know, Diwali, Holi, um, just random festivals from Indonesia that I'd never heard about, but using the power of media to tell a story. That was equipping my storytelling skills. Um, you know, because I was simultaneously writing books. Um, and all of those dots are are connected. Um, this fall, I'm, I'm starting my master's at Stanford Business School. And I'm already seeing how everything that I, that I went through from um, the, the first tech company that I had that um, didn't, you know, work out after about like three years, but I learned so many lessons to the tech company that I worked at and God just like everything works together for my good is such a reality to me because I see how God literally makes things that are quote unquote failures or things that I didn't think matter or things that I random things like, Oh, go work at that local elementary school for a few, a few months. Like when I, I had already been a graduate at that point, I was like, God, what do you want me to do here? Like as a, some, like a, basically it was, it was like almost minimum wage kind of job started as volunteering um, and I was already a graduate. I could have been working at a consulting firm at that time. I turned down consulting jobs because I wanted to do entrepreneurship full time. But God really makes everything work together for my good. And I think that scripture is all about um, the connecting of, of dots. Um, so, yeah, I think that's my answer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm-hmm. I love that. And <laughs> I think it relates to me or it speaks to me a lot because yeah, you'd be graduating and you'd be like, this isn't what I went to school to do, God. Like, what does this even, this doesn't even make sense. But you're right. And it's so apparent, like seeing your life now and you explaining that, that, oh, okay, this is how these things connected. Because when you're in the midst of certain things, it just doesn't make any sense. At it, just, all. it doesn't make any sense. He's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, why are you coming out here looking stupid? All these people gonna be asking me. <laughs> why you do that, God? <laughs> and damn you, didn't you graduate uh, um, in December? What are you doing now? Mm, well, <laughs> but dang, I, I love that. And yeah, I don't know. I just, I just, I'm really happy. Honestly, I'm really, I'm really enjoying. Um, listening to you and speaking with you it's just bringing to light so many different things and how god is is working and is doing something new in our generation so i'm here for it so how have you seen god use all your skills and your passions to become a blessing to our generation now um i think it's an ongoing question because i think he's still using it i think outside of eating new studios i have other, you know, skills and talents that I want God to to use, and I believe God wants to use. Um, and I'm still trying to find the balance of of those talents. Like, for example, I love uh, singing, and I've always been in in some sort of choir as long as I can remember, whether in school or church. Um, and I 
believe God wants to use my voice um, in some sort of ministerial capacity. I just, I, you know, I don't know what, and I don't, I don't know how, and I don't know when. But in the meantime, I'm trying to continue to hone that gift and foster that gift in whatever capacity I can, which is usually something like church. But in in some in recent times, it's been in sort of Christian groups outside of the four walls of a church. Um, and it's been so important to me to always balance these other gifts as just as equal as my main sort of bread and butter of being an entrepreneur, because I believe when God gave me those gifts, it when he ordained me, um, they were equal because the impact is equal. Um, and at the end of the day, everything I do has to bring glory to the kingdom of God. So whether it's because I'm singing and the song I sang or my voice was used to touch somebody or heal somebody, um, or, uh, because I became a successful entrepreneur and I can use the proceeds to be a kingdom financier. All of those things are they're equal in God's eyes because they're, the, he gave, you know, how many talents did he give you and how did you use all of them? Um, so I believe that one thing that God has been showing me is he, he's been, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, charging me to do specific things with the gifts that he gave me. Mm. So I believe God is calling me to be a kingdom financier. I'm not balling yet, but mm. God has challenged me so many in so, so many different ways recently to give certain amounts of m- money <laughs> that make me lose my breath to... <laughs> <laughs> to kingdom to kingdom projects or to to people to specific to, to specific people um and i believe it's so important because i always tell people like my main goal reason for being an entrepreneur is is, is because i want to create an an impact um in many ways but also financially like i i don't want to be depending on any group of investors or any group of rich uh, Americans or something in 10 years to finance a project, a philanthropic project, a social impact project. I want that to come from myself. And so create literally amassing wealth so that we can use it for the kingdom, so that we can use it um, for um, developing countries and things like that. But I know now that if I don't start developing those tools um now, which is basically the capacity to give with the little that I have, it's not going to happen when I'm a millionaire. So right. God has been, God has been charging me with that now. So a lot of times he'll tell me to give this amount and I'll be like, say what? <laughs> but I'll do it and I'll, and I'll do it with, with a happy heart. And he, and he always comes through afterwards. That's another thing. Um, and, uh, and another example is God, God will tell me, you know, go and volunteer um, in this group, like I'm right now, I'm, um, in Europe for the summer. So I'm not, I'm not at home. You know, you, you would think that because I'm not at home, I can sort of like take a break, but God was like, no, you're going to a church for a certain amount of weeks while you're here. Do this in that church while you're there here only for four months, but four months is enough to leave an impact. Right. So little, little things like that, he'll tell me to do with the talents that he's given me, whether it's public speaking, whether it's singing, whether it's, it's giving, um, and I have to have to do it because I don't, I understand that the consequence is losing those talents or those talents going to waste, I should say. Um, and I don't want that. So yeah, that's, that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> and that is so true. Um, just making use of the time and the resources that you have that will prepare you um, in the future to even do more. Um, and that's one thing that I now know that God 
it starts you from a certain place before you can actually reach to another to another dimension or to another capability that's why i was saying that nothing comes easy in this life nothing sacrifices have to be made in order for you to build your character things have to start somewhere it's not when you get everything that oh yeah i I can do that now because if you didn't do it with the small you won't do it with you know how much money you or a lot of money or whatever it is that you have so i agree and so you're talking about you're in europe and you know you moved to england um why did you feel that you were led to go there and how do you think this move is furthering your purpose so it's funny I I, so I'm starting grad school in the fall and I just always wanted to live in London and it's it was something that I was considering for later on in life and I and I thought okay this would be a good opportunity a good time to experience that um and literally I had forgotten about that because so many different things have happened in the past year. Okay, I'm going to grad school now. I'm moving on with my business. It's not the good, in my opinion, it's not the best time to do it because I had tried to do it before and it just didn't work out. But <laughs> as the Holy Spirit does, one day he just randomly told me to go. And at that time, I didn't see how it was going to happen because the different projects that I'm working on here now had not yet surfaced. Mm-hmm. But within like two days, <laughs> within two days from the time he told me to go, as soon as he told me to go, I'm like, yep, I'm going done. Not going to think about it. Not going <laughs> to, not going to debate uh, because then the fear is going to set in and the reasons why I shouldn't go would set in. But within two days, the, just so, so many different opportunities came up of different things that I could do while I was, while I was here, um, both for Idunu Studios, but all the other entrepreneurial interests that I have, um, educational and research interests that I have, spiritual spiritually it's been a time of great 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 growth because there's something about god sort of taking you out of where you where you are physically like i've spent most of my life in new york and now telling me okay you're going to spend this amount of time short amount of time 4 months in england but i've been able to literally recircle recircle every part of my life through prayer through personal retreat through um, fasting and alone time with God that I've never been more closer to the Holy Spirit. I've never been more on fire for God. Um, like literally in my word every day, going to different revivals, all those kind of things. And so when I came to London, I thought I was coming because of career stuff. But the, as the days go by, I'm, I'm really realizing that I think that God really wanted to um, sort of like put my life on some sort of spiritual reset to prepare me for um, the next phase. So I mentioned I'm going to grad school in the fall, which I think is 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 an example of the next phase. But I, I think it's also representative of a bigger step that I'm about to take in my career as I'm already seeing examples of ways in which the company is growing. Um, and, and I know that it's only going to go up from here. And so I think God really is using this time to refocus me so that as the growth comes, I can still keep my mind set on him. And the, I think the best way to do that was to remove me from the hustle and bustle of my daily life in New York and bring me here for a set time. Um, and the way he did it was very, very interesting because the project I thought I was going to be working on when I, when I got here, as soon as I got here, that project just like dismantled. <laughs> but made so he made 10 other ways for for in in place of that one way so i'm very grateful for that yeah 
That's really interesting um, because it seems like he still gave you the desire of your heart because you wanted to you wanted to move, but used it for another purpose. That's that's wild. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> that God is wild, like bro, you wild and like. I'm even thinking of all the logistics, like, where are you right now? Like, how did, like, are you just, you just retreating right now? I don't know. I'm just thinking, like, of all the things, like, he just kind of put everything together for you just yeah. so you can relax. Yeah. Basically, I, mean, I, I everything from, like, where I was going to stay to, wow. you just, yeah, you really took care of it. And a lot of it, and a lot of it wasn't taken care of until I got here. Oh, so that's gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I have some money to like get an Airbnb or an apartment that kind of thing but like it's like when I got here so many different resources came through like people inviting me to speak I got different job offers when I got here and like the kind of job offers that that worked for my schedule as an entrepreneur so it's not like I'm going into an office every day but I'm being I'm I'm being being giving projects like people asking me to consult for them for their business stuff like that that was not happening when I was in New York, actually. Um, but God is just making sure that everything I need is provided for in this season, which is why I know he's the one that called me to come here for this time. Wow. So. Ah, it's such an encouragement. It really is. Oh, I'm glad. Mm-hmm. So tell us three of your <laughs> entrepreneurial tips that are a must. Because a lot of my listeners want to start their own business. Um, you know, they want to be entrepreneurs. What are some things that you're like, you have to have this to be an entrepreneur? Um, okay. This one, I think, do I have three on my on top of my head? Okay, yes. I think w- the main thing that I have learned, at least in this season, if you ask me in five years, it might be something else. But the main thing that I have learned um, is Matthew 6.33. Because I think a lot of uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Because I think a lot of entrepreneurs, Christian, um, this is a Christian podcast, so I can talk as Christian entrepreneurs. We're so excited, and a lot of things that we want to do, they are inspired by God. They are inspired by the Holy Spirit, um, but we're not really seeking first the kingdom when we do it. And the problem with that is it makes life a lot more stressful for us, and it it also impedes on the likelihood of you accomplishing your goal. So I'll speak for myself because I mentioned it earlier, like I used to try to, I I used to stress myself with certain things. Um, There, as an entrepreneur, you, especially when you're starting up, you don't have anything, you don't have money, you don't necessarily have connections. Um, And so you, you stress yourself with trying to make connections, with trying to get in touch with people that can help you and, and whether it's through funding or advice or whatever. And all of that stuff is good. Networking is good. I'm not dogging networking, but I'm just like a living testament to the fact that as soon as I stopped trying to connect myself with so many different people, like, oh, this person can help me do this. This person can help me do that. And I just focused on God, like complete focus on God to the point where I said, to the point where I was ready to give it up. Not that I wanted to, but that I can get to the point where I say, God, if you want to take this away, take it away because you're the one that put it in my hands. It's yours at the end of the day, not mine. God, if you want to take it away, take it away. When I got to that point, I said, I'm only focusing on God now. I'm only focusing on the on the kingdom because at the end of the day, every agenda he put in our hearts is for the advancement of the kingdom anyway. So I'm only focusing on my relationship with God and the Holy Spirit. 
that is when help started coming from left and right. That is when people start reaching out to me. In that time, you're still working on your on your product. You're still building your craft. You're still learning. You're still doing whatever you want to do. But my own thing is that I will never again stress for anybody to try to notice me, for anybody to try to to try to um, to help me because my help doesn't come from them. It comes from the Lord. And we we know that because we say it. But do we really know it? Because I will get so pressed um, about specific uh opportunities that will come my way. So people would say, you know, we want to, you know, we want to feature you in, in this magazine, or we want you to speak at this conference. Oh, just shoot me an email or, oh, we can make it happen. And so I would start jumping through hoops to try to get these uh, elusive opportunities that were being thrown in my face um, so that I could advance my, my brand and my product because, you know, that connections are all we have. It's all about, it's about who, you know, but at the end of the day, I know God. So that's the, all that matters. So I think it wasn't until that became real to me that like, yo, I'm just going to focus on God. And the only other thing that I'll do is continue to build my product and build my brand and 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 work hard to make sure that everything is, um, is, is, is good. But I'm not going to stress about people anymore, other people that can help me because all of my help comes from the Lord, not just some. And I think if entrepreneurs understand that, they'll save themselves a lot of time. Because if at the end of the day, you've spent all your time focusing on God and your relationship with him, and the business still doesn't advance, you might have to circle back and see if it's God that called you to do it in the first place. Because if it is, he will make it, he will work it out for himself. Um, so that's probably the main thing. The other two things that I would say is check your motives. Like check your why. I think my why for what for what I'm doing is very very important because it's kind of what sustains me when I don't feel like doing it anymore. Um, I see Agent Studios as as like a baby, a child that I have. As a mother, if you have a child um, and you know it's crying or it's hungry, it's I don't know, I don't have a child, so I don't really know. But like you know the things that children need, and sometimes you're not gonna feel like feeding it or or tending to it or nursing it, but there's a why rooted in that situation. And that why is that that is your child and a mother's love for the child. And so whether you like it or not, whether you feel like it or not, you have to get up in the middle of the night when it's crying and go tend to the child. And so because I have that a similar <laughs> relationship with my business, whether I feel like it or not, I have to um, continue on when there are certain challenges and when certain things come up because my why is... Um, for me specifically, my why is like this is something that God has charged me to do, and I just don't want to be giving Him excuses on Judgment Day. Okay, um, <laughs> and, then, and then the last thing I would say is um, you gotta you gotta stay in touch with the Holy Spirit throughout the way. So many of us know how to hear from God. I would say in one way or another, um, but we don't always check back in. Uh, with God or continue listening throughout the process. So yeah, one day the Holy Spirit gave me the idea, but that was five years ago. Imagine if I had never, if I didn't continue talking to him throughout, because God is a lot more interested in the journey um, than he is in our destination. And the because in the journey, he, he grows us, he molds us um, into that, to be more and more like Christ every day. So it's important for us as entrepreneurs to continue talking to him throughout the journey because of the many pivots that are going to come our way. And if, you know, God gives you an idea one year and then a year later, some pivot has come and you handle it on your own. It's kind of like you're, you're asking yourself for trouble because 
the person who gave you, you got to check back with the person who gave you the idea essentially. Um, so for me, I'm like, I just talk to God every day. Like I do quiet time most times in the morning, sometimes in the night, but I dropped that a long time ago of like, Oh, let me pray in the morning and I leave God in my Bible and my dresser. No, he's coming, coming with me throughout the whole day. What's mm-hmm. that scripture said? If your presence does not go with me, I'm not going like you, he has to be with me throughout the whole process unless I'm not interested. So those are my three things. Stop stressing for other people. Um, check your why and your motives and stick with the Holy spirit throughout every step of the way. Done. <laughs> <laughs> awesome tips. And yeah, awesome advice. Um, if you had one seed to plant, what would it be? So one like, seed? Yeah, like a life lesson or information that you feel like everybody needs to know. Um, is this like, let me think, because I, I feel like I would, I would love to be able to, I don't know if I'm answering the question properly, but plant the seed of purpose in everybody's life. Okay. I think if everybody knew what their purpose is, what they were created to do, that we would live in a totally different world. We would live in a totally different world because the way God has created all of us, he's de- he's designed each and every one of us to, to fix a specific problem or to or to address a specific need on this earth, especially Christians. Um but so many of us live and die without ever knowing what that is. And even where some of us think we know, but we're doing the t- totally different thing, <laughs> totally wrong thing. So if I could plant some sort of seed of purpose inside everyone where they would know what God has called them to do um, specifically, um, then that would be, I think that would be amazing to see. Ah, it's good. It's your answer. Anything you <laughs> want to say. No, but that's so true. I feel you on that. And that is the hope of this podcast through um, people's stories. People can now be ignited. Something in them can be ignited. That Oh, yeah, that's that's similar to what God told me or um, that gives me the courage to finally do what God told me to do. Because imagine now we get responses and people say through, through this podcast, they were they were given that fire to go out there and just do whatever it is that they know in their hearts they were called to do. That is the purpose. That is the purpose. So I'm telling you, through you telling your story, it's doing just that. Because it's also through like me listening, I'm like, I'm also being encouraged to do what it is that I do, to continue to run my business and just to continue to have my why. I love that one in particular too, the why. Because I've been trying to figure that out um, and really hone in on the why. And I love that that was one of the things that you said, because it's so true, because there's so many times you're like, I don't want to do this. Like, you know, just give me something easier or give me a job that will just sustain me. I just want to be sustained. Tempted to get comfortable. Right. But, you know, and, you know, through people's stories, that's what it does. It it ignites something in you. So you're doing just that. Amen, girl. Yep. (laughs) So are there any resources that you'd recommend, such as books, podcasts, apps, or whatever? And tell us where we can connect with you and find your books. Oh, sure. Um, Number one resource is the Bible, of course. But um, (laughs) no, um, I definitely recommend a few books. One book is called Start With Your Start With Your Why or Start With Why oh, by Simon. Oh, that's the book that was on my mind when you said that. Yeah. 
I love that book. Um, and I think resources depend on what you want to do specifically, but, um, I, I would encourage people just, just Google. Like I, am I read like so much, like right now I'm averaging like a book a week, but no, that's not, I'm not telling people they have to do that. That's just a season I'm in. <laughs> Ask right. me again next week. That's still a thing, but I'm taking <laughs> advantage of this season that I'm in when I'm not in school and I'm just reading as much as possible. Um, so find books that are specific to you and what you want and read, just like read as much as you can. Um, and then the resources that I mentioned for like outsourcing content, like fiverr.com, those are really, really good tools that they don't just have illustrators. They have everything, everything on there that you can, um, possibly think of that can help you drive your idea forward, go from, from concept to actually like an NBP. Um, and then, let me think for connecting with me. You can follow me on Instagram. Um, my handle is doni.com, but of course the business is Idunu studios. That's Idunu, which is the Yoruba word for happiness. I D U N N U, uh, studios dot studios and same on Facebook and Twitter. Um, yeah. And the website is www.idunustudios.com. Hey. And can we find your books in like if somebody wants to pick up a physical copy or is it only on Amazon or on your website? The books are the books are on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. I know a few Barnes and Noble stores carry them, but most times it's like if somebody requested them to come into the into the to set, ship them to the store for now. Got it. Got it. <laughs> yes. All right, perfect. Well, Doyne, this was fun. Thank you so much. Thank you. I had such a great time listening to you. And girl, yeah, this is a great episode. (laughs) Thank you um, for having me. It was was fun answering the questions too, because a lot of these things, they forced me to look back and really give thanks to God as I think about it. So thank you for asking. You are so welcome. And guys, that is the end of the episode. I will speak to you all next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Planter Podcast. If you are absolutely loving the content that the Planter is creating, well, go ahead and subscribe to the Planter on iTunes. For more updates and staying connected with me, you can also subscribe to The Planter at theplanter.com. So that's T-H-E-P-L-A-N-N-T-E-R.com. To become a part of our community, uh, you can find us on Facebook at The Planter Community to stay connected with like-minded individuals who are trying to grow just like you. And you can find The Planter on all social media handles at The Planter. So thank you so much for listening, and I'll speak to you on the next episode.